Hey gang, it's Harold. I'm podcasting to you from the bunker. In the interest of distracting myself and my gaming friends, I'm reaching out to some interesting people to ask them what they're doing, game-wise. With such a big-time dividend, I want to hear what they're playing, designing, and thinking about. No CNN, no CNBC, just games. My production obsession will have to be put on hold, as I'm most interested in communicating with you rapidly and with some interesting content. This podcast documents a discussion I had with the great one, Mr. Mark Herman. Mark Herman, how are you? Hey. How are you doing? Uh, thankfully, uh, Carol and I are fine. We're, uh, you know, sheltering in place and just uh, I'm designing and playing games. What else is there to do? <laughs> that's right. Well, that's good to hear. Hey, um, I'm calling you from the bunker as well here on the other, on the left coast. And um, wanted to chat with you a little bit. The ground rules, if you don't mind, are a few things. No medical discussions. No political nope. discussions and no nope. discussions of the financial markets. Nope. I'm, I'm good with, I need, a, I need a break from all those things, so that's great. <laughs> good. Very good. Well, what, uh, so what are you going to do with your time? What, are you going to play some games? Are you going to be working on some things? I'd love to hear what you're thinking about. Well, I, I think that um, on the gaming side, forget about all the other things, you know, more like, you know, uh, Maslow's hierarchy stuff. Um I am uh, designing. Uh, there are two games that I'm focusing on. I'll get to that in a second. And then what I'm starting to do is because you know all my gaming uh, activities. You know we have a gaming group here in New York, and you know I, I, I do a certain amount of online stuff. So, but now I'm starting to um, you know I'm starting to develop a uh, you know hooking up with people and playing online. You know to get some gaming in. So something more. I've always done it, but not to this degree. So I like today. I'm talking to you at 10. At 11.30, um, I'm hooking into a game in Germany with Uli Blenemann. I'm going to play Pax Pamir. Then at uh, in the afternoon, I'm, I'm going to start playing South Pacific with uh, Jeff Engelstein, who's over in Jersey. And then in the evening, I'm playing War of the Ring with a friend of mine, uh, Jonathan Haber. And so we're going to be doing that. So that's my that's my gaming day. You know, it's a very very full Friday actually. <laughs> that's uh, that's busy. Have, have you played? Uh, well, have you played PAX before? Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, I've even played it with uh, with uh, you know um, Worley. Uh, you know, I met I when we were at your place at San Diego Con. Right. In fact, were you in that game also? I don't think so, Mark. I know I was in the game, and maybe Gene was in the game. I, you know, maybe Volko was there. I mean, we, we had, maybe there was a couple of uh, big, you know, I had uh, Cole played in um, Versailles 1919. I played PAX with him. He taught me Oath. You know, so it was, it was a great con. I had a great time uh, meeting and hanging out with him. He was very nice. Very he, nice young man. He, he is. He is, and, and very thoughtful in his, in, in his craft. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Probably what a young Mark Herman might have... Uh... I, I gotta tell you something. I, 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 he probably doesn't need to. He, he's a young Cole Worley who's gonna be a great Cole Worley. I think any association with me is just, you know, <laughs> no, he doesn't need that. Uh, he's gonna be much better than I ever was. So, uh, you know, it's good to see a, you know, a, a new bright light coming up in the industry who I really admire. And you know, I like his games. You know, so that's uh, you know, him and Mark. But the, the two guys that I play games of that aren't mine is really a. Uh, Martin Wallace and now Cole, you know, those are the two 
guy. Oh, when I like Jeff Engelstein's stuff also. His um, Fog of War and uh, his Expanse game is really good. Uh, that was fun. Right. Now, what um, you, you you mentioned Martin Wallace? What do you what do you uh, like of his? What's what's the hierarchy there? Um, so my favorite of his is a study in um, Emerald. I love that. I have the first edition. I don't. I don't. You know, he he made a second edition, which is you know more streamlined. I think that sometimes the streamlining takes out. There was something in the first edition that was a little edgy, a little bit, you know, creaky, but in given the, the circumstance, I like that better. The more streamlined didn't feel as as much of an experience. You know, it's easier to play, maybe a little less rules, but I don't know that that made it. Streamline doesn't always make things better. That's all I'm saying. But I do love that. The, the first edition, I love it. Um, I really, I know his, in my a go-to game for any multiplayer game, and I'm going to see if I can get a game that's going to struggle of empires. You ever play that? Yes. Uh, love that struggle of empires. Really, uh, a great. I mean, it's like it's like choose up. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, schoolyard football game. Choose up, and then you have a war. I thought it was just, <laughs> it's just great. It's just great. Yeah, no doubt. Do you ever play a uh, few acres of snow? I do. I mean, the the yes, I have played two, a few acres of snow. I like. You know, so look, it was a one of those groundbreaking kind of games in the sense of taking deck building and taking it into a more historical themed military situation. It was unfortunate that there was like a one guy wrecking crew in that game. There was this one guy; he was a, obviously a very strong player, and you know the whole uh, Halifax Hammer thing. Just and he was this one guy. I don't know somewhere in Europe. He was just brutal, but he. People kept playing him, and he beat everybody like you know five thousand times. You know, not literally. I think he won like four hundred matches in a row using the same strategy, and nobody could stop him. So that was that really hurt the game's reputation. They came out with a second edition. I played a little bit with the uh, better uh, rating rules for the French, so I have no opinion that it's. But I don't really worry about it. It's it's really just one of those great games. But I don't play it much because it's it you really can't play it solitaire. You know, it's one of those games that really requires an opponent. But I do like um, where the the hands across hands across the sea or hands on the sea. What is what yes? Is, uh, uh, maybe across. I don't remember. Yeah, it's it's a famous uh, uh, quote. But anyway, uh, that one I think took it to the next level, and that one I really like. Uh, that's a that's a really fine uh, fine game. Yeah, I think uh, a few acres su- certainly suffers from that one specific issue. The the reality though is even before he changed some of the rules to disallow the the cascading I don't think anybody really knows how to do it. it. It's it's funny to watch because you know everybody says well the game's broken and and first of all it's only broken if you know how to break it. <laughs> well, I I I'll be honest with you um I I I, I I've watched it, so I do know how how it works. And it's just it's just that you stay. You always end up at the end of the day one point ahead of the other side in the siege. You know that's the. It, I mean, literally, I think I thought the simplest fix was just take out one British soldier and solve the problem. But uh, he fixed it some other way. Uh, but he knows his game better than I do. Uh, I'll tell you what's interesting. Uh, you know, along the veins of if we're on, is, is this a topic we could go down if you like? Yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So. So I'm having a fascinating time 
uh, I'm writing my next column for uh, for Roger in my Clio's corner. I guess it'll be number 11, believe it or not. Um, I'm looking at replayability and balance. And what caused me to decide to I always I never figure out ahead what I'm going to write about until something happens in my gaming experience and it says okay that's what I'm going to write about. So so what happened was we we you know we we do these online um, staff games on Empire of the Sun on Console World, and the, I put into the an edition ago, you know, for new players, you know, if if you get a, 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 you have to have a, if you don't really know all the, the nuances of the game, you need a strong, and this is entertainment, I don't want to frustrate a new player who goes, oh, I can't do it, this game's impossible. So I came up with a historical hand option, which works great. Uh, you, the Japanese are assured of getting, you know, a, a reasonably strong hand so they can make progress in their practice, you know, so you get better, right? Now, myself, you could give me any hand of Japanese cards. Literally, you could pick any set of seven cards, and I will get to where I need to get to, no matter what. But that's because I've been playing it for you know over twenty, you know, over fifteen years. It came out fifteen years ago, published, but I was playing it before then, obviously. So, so I was trying to bridge the gap between you know, you, doesn't matter what hand you get, you have to know how to do it. You know, it's a, it's a skill. I mean, that's really the answer. So then, so we, so uh, this guy Chris Crane, who's a great guy, uh, he run, he's got, he's become sort of the Empire of the Sun uh, tournament guy. Like he runs the online WBC tournament, he runs the one at WBC. Although I don't know, I'm not going to be, I don't know if there's going to be a WBC this year with all this craziness. But, um, but regardless, and Chris, um, you know, writes to me. We talk, you know, periodically. And he says, "Hey, I'm going to do this tournament. What do you think about using this beginners option?" And I said, "You know, for a tournament." I'd like there to be, I don't want people to get frustrated, you, know, you get into a tournament, you get frustrated because you don't have, you know, you didn't get a good draw, and you, don't, and, it, and you don't want people getting up, you know, I want people to have a good experience, right? So we, we went with the optional rule, but then, then something interesting happened, okay? So now, that was all preamble to the interesting part. So now, what was a beginner option, now you give it to like a, you know, a Tom Thornton or a Don Chappell or one of the really, you know, good, strong, um, and part of the Sun players, and you give them three very strong cards, and then they draw four more. And if they get like one or two more good cards in those four, all of a sudden they've got a supercharged Japanese hand. Now, supercharged Japanese hands have always happened since the beginning of the game, but they're you know they're not as they're more rare than more common, right? Just because of the probability draw of getting all those cards. But now, because of the the optional rule, the probability as intended is you're going to likely end up with a strong Japanese hand, and now you're and so now. These a couple of guys go hey, and they go crazy. Uh, when I say crazy, they they accelerate. And I wrote actually I wrote an article back in I think it was C three I twenty seven on exactly how to do this. You know how do you knock out India and and um, and, and uh, China early without you know skip the DEI which is the Dutch East Indies and then go right at you know the Burma India theater really hard on the first turn. And so these guys all like you know just went you know very very accomplished. Cut off the supplies, knock the whole, knock the British out of India, make India put India on the path to surrender after one turn. And if you've never seen it before, which a lot of people hadn't, it was like it was like oh my god! And they started calling it the CBI Blitz, right? And to me, this is just a great opportunity to explore the game more because I, I, I knew that there were resources to to sort of blunt that. And so I started an experiment online with the team. I said, here's what we're going to do. I said, here's this really, I, I even made an even a stronger Japanese hand. You guys get this hand. 
I'll play the allies. Here's my hands. We both open hand, right? We, they knew every card I had, and I knew every card they had. And they said, now let's do it. You go do your CBI blitz. And it was amazing crowdsourcing. And even I learned, I, I saw a resource that I had never seen before in, in almost 20 years of playing the game because I, I never focused on, Malaya was always supposed to be a punching bag. I never really, all of a sudden, Malaya, I said, wow, if they, what they're doing is they're ignoring Malaya to go after Burma. All of a sudden, I found a way to put the Malaya HQ in, and we, all of a sudden, the British are launching offensives in Malaya, which is what they planned to do historically. They just never did it. And and it was like, it, it opened my eyes to all the, and so again, when I, so the article about replayability is, is that you're going to have this, you know, and going back to, um, <coughs> Magic the Gathering, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, oh my God, I can't believe I know him even. Um, you know, the, the designer of Magic the Gathering will come to me. I'm getting old, you know, you, you don't remember things as well. Uh, but uh, he um, had this term called the metagame. And so what happens periodically in a game that's very replayable is somebody comes up with a new angle and that creates, um, changes the metagame, right? It, 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 it shifts the balance Right, replayability and balance. It's just the balance, and then people go. And of course, the first thing that a lot of gamers do is, "Oh my God, it's broken. We have to write new rules. We have to restrict this new creativity." And I'm going, "No, no, 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 no. We do not restrict creativity. Let's see if we can come up with more creativity to beat this creativity." And so, uh, another example of what I'm talking about is in the um, for the people in a famous tournament that happened oh, a number of years ago. You know, James Pye is like the they call him Master Pi, but he he's the best for the people player, and he's won the WBC tournament you know twenty plus times and you know, but one year there was this guy from Finland, who had come up with a new strategy which was called the trade of queens, which by the way is as everybody's going oh that's a historical. I found out that that was a quote from Lincoln by the way. Lincoln called it the trade of queens, you know losing the, you know I give you Richmond and I and I basically get Washington kind of thing right. That was that was a Lincoln. So when people tell me it's a historical, it's like well. If Lincoln said it, does that make it a historical? But that's another point. Uh, but, and I watched in the tournament, uh, his name is Riku. And Riku, uh, very strong player, uh, he, he, would, he would leave Richmond open to draw the Union down, and then he'd launch this attack like with Jackson and cut off all the railroads in the West. And it was very effective. Why was it effective? Because nobody had seen it before, right? It's like this... It's like anything that if your if your immune system hasn't seen a virus before, it's a surprise when all of a sudden it shows up. That hello, you know. So here's a situation where this new thing happens and you have no defenses against it, and you think like, oh, the game is broken. So I was watching it, you know, as the uh, I, then I was still running the tournament. I gave it over to James recently, but I was running the tournament. I was watching Riku carefully, I, you know, watching the game and seeing what he's doing, and I realized. All you had to do to defeat the whole thing is we leave one SP in one spot and the whole thing doesn't work, right? But I didn't tell anybody. It was a tournament. He deserved to, you know, to win based on his, let somebody else figure it out. So after the tournament, of course, everybody's going, oh, we have to change the rules. It's broken. I go, why don't you try this? Why don't you just put one strength point in Columbus, Ohio, now see how it works? And it just doesn't work. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, and so the, I didn't change any rules, but that's what I mean by replayability, that, you know, if somebody comes up with a creative set of tactics and because it, it's over the table and you can't refute it in real time because it's, you haven't figured out what it's doing, uh, you lose. Okay, you lost the game, right? That's the thing. But this immediate thing like, oh, my God, I lost the game. It's not fair. I got to fix it. 
is only true in a game that can't doesn't have the resilience and the replayability to handle it with more creativity. And so I've been really and so right now we're playing on Constant World, and again we're playing another match. Uh, I've got me. It's like me against everybody, but it's really I got two guy uh, Joel, Joel and Francisco are on my side. But we're we're you know I'm I'm letting them do, and I got the best players you know smashing at me, and they're and they're gonna do a really good job. But I've got I've got some tricks, you know I got some tricks up my sleeve, and I'm and I'm and I'm learning how to deal with this attack, and of course that's all being communicated to the now. But however, going back to your um, Halifax Hammer, it only works if you know what to do, right? So a bunch of people who are participating in this staff game are going to understand the, the the interesting counters and opportunities. You know, if one side overdoes one thing, it's a zero sum game. Well, if you do you go over there, what if I go over here? You know, it's that kind of thing. And so, consequently, it'll be interesting if you get into a match where somebody hasn't, you know, hasn't seen the latest openings and changes in strategy, they'll get creamed by this thing sometimes. And they'll go, oh, my God, it's broken. But the answer is, no, we already, fig- we already figured this one out. But you just weren't, you know, now you can learn how to do it. So I like the fact that when it, so where I think what happened with the Halifax Hammer, taking this back to the beginning of this conversation, was there was no creative solution within the original set of rules to stop it. You see? That, that to me is a problem. Even if you don't know how to do it, it the fact that it exists, you have, as a designer, you have to deal with it. And, 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 and Martin dealt with it. I think he, I, I can't say whether he, his, but I think the game has always suffered from that. And it's unfair because it's really a cool game. Um, I play it in a heartbeat with the new rules uh, and see what happens. But I, like you say, it, you know, if somebody throws a CBI blitz at, at me in, a, in, a, in a, a game contest, I'll deal with it and they'll go, wow, I didn't know you could do that. And you go, yeah. Uh, some interesting little tactics you hadn't thought about, but on the guy who hasn't, you know, seen it, it's going to be like, oh my God, this is unstoppable. The answer is only unstoppable if you don't know how to stop it, right? <laughs> right, right. So that's my uh, replayability and balance. Uh, I mean, that was a, a long thing, but sometimes you have to get into some of the detail and it doesn't make sense. That's interesting. You know, I've always said about the Halifax Hammer that, that first of all, uh, only 5% of the people that talk about it really know what it is, and only 5%. Oh, I bet it's 1%. Yeah, and even and even five percent of those people can actually pull it off. So, yeah, you know, I've never worried about it in that context. But, but that's from a competitive sense. There's another sense, which is is different than what you're talking about. And that is, if I played with a friend, and played oh, yeah. a few acres of snow with them, and they tried to pull off that that BS around the corner move, uh, to to win a few acres of snow, I I probably wouldn't play with them anymore. Right well, I, I, well, I gotta be honest with you. Um, the, well, the first thing is the BS move is actually what happened historically. That's the really weird part. Well, um, Mark, but but there's there you there's there's a couple of components to the hammer, and one of the components is deck thinning. Yes, uh, well, and, yes, and, and abuse a mechanical problem. Yes. And, and abuse of some of the mechanics in the cards. So you know, I, I and I've played other card games where people do that. Uh, there's Ascension has. The, p- the potential when you play Ascension, the, the, there are ways to abuse the cards to do that, and and like I said, if you know playing for competitions, one thing, right? But playing um, playing against a friend and 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 going to that extreme to me, it's just not. Um, I guess I would let, let me. Um, res- I understand where you're coming from. I, I you know if it's if the if the goal is for you and I just to sit down and have a good time, and you know I, you and I have played a number of games. I can't remember who won any of them. Doesn't matter. We had a good time, right? Yeah, so I rem- I re- it left the mark. It's usually you, and I'm still pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
you know, I I, I, I want to be clear. I, I think I'm a good sport player, but I'm certainly not going to you know give a game away. Unless, yeah, agreed. You know, agreed. I mean, if I was playing with my one of my granddaughters, it would be a different experience. <laughs> but but you know, but uh, you know, I do try to play, play. Yeah, and I may request that special the special treatment of your granddaughters at some point. But uh, okay, well, you're, 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 and as a close friend, you're always welcome to <laughs> invoke the rule. Uh, but I'll tell you a funny story though. So you know, again, it's it's not that I'm a Good. Well, obviously, with my own games, I know them a little more intimately. But like, I was playing, you know, a guy who I've really come to uh, to like. I don't see. I only met him once, really, at uh, at Tempe. But his name is Bruce Garrick. He's a neuro uh, neurosurgeon out of now. Was he in Seattle or Portland? He's in Portland now. But good guy. Really, very, very, um, very deep into the games. He's got a very. He's a real hardcore gamer. And right now, I think he's doing some kind of like you know Ken Burns equivalent of. Games on the Eastern Front, which he's going to work on for the next, you know, nine months. Given all the things he's doing, I, where does he get the time? But, um, but where I was going with that is that um, Bruce and I played Empire of the Sun at um, Tempe, and the first game we played, and he left, you know, he left um, one of his HQ's uh, truck was uh, like open to invasion, and I knocked out the I knocked out his HQ, put all his forces out of supply. And he he resigned. You know, it was one of those like early game. He he wasn't paying attention, and I'm like, you know, and I just wanted to show him the killer move so he wouldn't do it again. So then I said, he goes, well, look, we only played two turns. Why don't we play again? So we set it up again, and then, and again, I'm not playing for this is going. I'm not I'm not a blood sport guy. So he goes to me. I don't understand this Ugaki card and, and Ugaki for uh, Vice Admiral Ugaki card in um, Empire of the Sun is you get to do this really really long range one-time raid like you could hit Pearl Harbor again is really what it, it, it was the uh, hypothetical invasion of Hawaii that they never did so this was the follow-up invasion they canceled but but so but it, they talked about it so the Ugaki card is very long range I said well here's how you use Ugaki and how you go for the Central Pacific uh, you know kill strategy with your I call it the Yamato strategy so he then goes okay and so he starts doing it right and it starts working and then the next, then he gets the next two hands are like if you wanted to align the probability of 0.000001 of these cards coming out in that order, and it was just like it was a, I got smashed, and it was cool because I was hanging on by my fingernails not to lose the game. I was using every trick I had, and I came within like one card of pulling off a save, but I lost, and I, it'll be one of my, the more memorable gaming experiences of my life, even though I didn't win because it was such a great experience. Fighting of the edge, you know, you really feel like the allies fighting for your life, kind of thing. But the point of the story is, is that once a strong player understands how it works, there anybody can execute it, you know. And you know, I, I gave him a, I gave him a tutorial on it, and I said to him, next time, maybe you're going to get a little less advice on the opening hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah, but he's he's a strong player. So once he saw the, once he saw it, and then the cards just came for him. I mean, it's just he it was like, wow. Well, it's interesting, right? We play games for different reasons. Um, yeah. And I, I talked to Bruce about this recently. The, the There are some games you play for pure competition. For example, uh, I you know, I played Twilight Struggle a ton. And uh, I play okay. against Bruce a good bit. And Bruce and I play for blood. And if uh, one guy makes <laughs> a mistake, then, you know, it's, 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 it's so good. Yeah, right? Well, you know, well, it's I always tell people there is no reason to play chess other than to win. You know, there's... Yeah, and I remember I, uh, I'm one on the board of directors of the Marshall Chess Club, which, by the way, I wanted to be, uh, we closed uh, right ahead of this thing, and it was a good decision. But 
you know, chess, and we, we've moved everything online. That's what gave me the idea for doing more online stuff. But, you know, chess is a game like, you know, there's just no other purpose to chess other than to be victorious. There's no, you know, and it's art. It can be art when it's done well. But, uh, you know, but it's a, it's a slug match. And so, you know, there are games that are like, you know, Twilight Struggle. It's, you know, it's a competitive blood match when you play somebody. But it's good fun, right? It's yeah. like you're both yeah, no, that's that's why you play it. And but then you know I'm I'm looking across my desk here at all the unplayed games <laughs> that oh, I yeah. need to break out. But you know um, Red Storm, for example, if I broke out Red Storm, the new uh, the g- relatively new GMT game on uh, air uh, combat over Central Europe in a hypothetical world, right? Exactly, which you have some familiarity yeah. with. Uh, you know, if you <laughs> if we were to break that out and play it, uh, it would almost be cooperative. Just trying to figure out how in the world to make it all work. Because we're, I'm not going to be able to play it a ton. Uh, I, I might be able to get it out two or three times. Um, and and it's a very different competitive experience versus Twilight Struggle, Struggle which I might play 30 times in a year. Yeah, I, I'll tell you a, a good um, a war story, a real war story. Um, so back in the 80s, we did a lot of, you know, this is the Cold War and, you know, the war in Europe. And, and I was in the Pentagon and we're doing a game. And, you know, and... And let's just say that things had gotten very, everything everything was very blown up. Let's just leave it at that, right? And you know everybody's trying to pull together resources in this uh, war game that are right on the edge of you know nothing's working correctly. And so we're saying like some so we're trying to figure out the sortie rate of the air force in this situation. And then we had an F-15 pilot there, and of course you got to know fighter pilots. They you know they 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 walk tall and you know and strut right for a reason. And he goes, if I've got one engine, 6,000 feet, and one, any kind of munitions in, on the rails, I'm a sortie. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's the definition of a sortie. If the plane can get in the air with any munitions, it counts as a sortie. And then we play with that as a rule. Uh, you know, that was the definition of a sortie for the, uh, for the study. I thought that was great, though. But you had to hear it from him. It was really more, it had a lot, there was a lot of testosterone and macho in the way he said it. That was really convincing. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Now, when you're playing war games with the Pentagon, yes, is it is it played in the is it is it played as a chess match or is it played more in a discussion kind of uh, almost? Oh, it's it's definitely played as a war. I mean, you know, no. When you say chess match, I, I don't think a chess match. It's played, you know, it's played under the basic rule that the enemy gets a vote. You know, so you have some brilliant strategy. And you get to find out just, you know, you stress test that strategy against another group who's really trying to, to stop you. But most of the time, uh, and this is something I used to start with in all my war games uh, in the Pentagon, I used to say, look, you got to remember, usually the home team's going to lose one of these things. And you go, what? You know, we're America and all this. And they say, look, the other team is also Americans and they know every single weakness that you have, which the enemy might not actually really know, right? You know, not to that level of intimacy. So guys you're playing against have an extraordinary insight into how to take you apart that is not would not be even even with a very good intelligence service you might not figure all this stuff out, you know. So so the the home team in these war games, given the opponents, is usually at a severe disadvantage. But you know, stuff matters, and you know, but it's it's very competitive from that perspective. Right. Well, I was just you know we were talking about some games that you play with someone you're you're, you're more forgiving than a. Than the most competitive. Playing Azure with your daughters. I mean, I didn't think you were trying to kill them, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
right? When you were playing at SDCon, I remember sorting your, and there was that young man, I guess he must be dating one of your daughters. Yeah, uh, yes. But you guys were playing Azor, and it looked like a fun game, and it didn't look like anybody was trying to really, like, I don't think anybody was trying to win desperately. You know, that, that, that's not how it looked to me from look, observing it. So, right. yeah, some, you play to have a good time. Right, right. Pretty. Well, the, pretty. I guess the good news for you is you don't have the 20 years of history that they all have with me. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you were interesting as a father when they were like eight, but, you know, they're big girls now, so good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. My son, my son, you know, my son Grant moved back from San Jose, and he was here for like two weeks before they moved into their apartment. And um, he goes to me, hey, you want to play? So we were playing games here, so it was just, it was like, wow, I can be home at night and someone wants to play a game? What the hell's that about? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, face-to-face. What about um, what are you working on now, Mark? What's what's hot? Uh, so there there may be a game I did back in the 1980s uh, that I'm working on. It used to be called Pacific War, and I'm sort of I'll tell you something, and I will tell you this: for me to design a game from scratch is easier, much easier actually, than taking a game I did back in 1985, and you know taking the engine apart and I don't mean like redesigning it but just taking it apart to clean up all the pieces and then put it back together so it's you know the rules are a little bit more re- you know more standard to the today's times it was you know, over 35 years ago uh, and you know trying to um, bring that experience back but it's it's not hard because you know it, it is a um, it's a serious simulation it's, it's really a, a, a time machine a little bit because I don't think nobody the only game that would be I don't know that any games are being designed, or not many games are being designed along these lines anymore. You know, what what was important to the audience in 1985 is definitely not important to the audience in, um, Carol says hi, she just waved, she realized I was on uh, Hello, Carol. Hi, She's, you. Come over here, Carol, say hi to Harold, it's okay, it's just taping. Oh. There's, there's no camera going, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, the, the audio, the, the videos. I mean, like the worst, the worst uh, routine. <laughs> <laughs> it's twenty-five to eleven. I just got up. Oh my god. Well, I, you know, it's it's seven o'clock here. I just got up as well, just to talk oh. to Mark. Can you imagine? Oh my god! No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> You're a desperate man. <laughs> yes. yes, I am. All right. Well, enjoy yourselves. I need some coffee. Yeah, good talking to you. Take care of yourself. You too. Stay safe. You too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mark, on Pacific War, one of the things I remember you saying yes. was that you thought that game played better as the scenarios. And you're, oh, you, was, you would frequently was, was rec- recommend that. Well, let me, let me describe the Pacific War. You know, we, at the, so remember, 1985, what it took this. So when we sold it, the big selling point was a monster game, right? Oh, a monster game. Oh, I want a monster game, right? Monster games are not, you know, 2020. You know, that's 1985. Um, the reality is that Pacific War really isn't a monster game, but, you know, we sold it that way. I mean, it has a big, you know, it has the whole war scenario, but, but that's so long. I mean, although under these conditions, it might be a good game to play for 100 hours. Cause what else are you going to But beyond playing a, uh, the strategic scenario for 100 hours... I never. I only played the strategic scenario three times in my life, and that was twice in playtesting, and once right before I did Empire of the Sun, and and I really have. I'll probably have to play it two more times or so now as I'm working on the reprint, but 
that's only because I'm working on the reprint. Otherwise, I never would have done it. You know, it just wouldn't have been my plan. However, the game was designed around three basic scenarios. It was, you know, the whole, all the battles around the Solomons, you know, the whole breaking the Bismarck barrier, truck, you know, that whole scenario. That's the main use of the game. It's really a game system. It'll let you play. The original game came with 21 scenarios. We, we're going to probably add about another half dozen. So, and the majority of them play in three hours. That to me is how I'm going to describe it in 2020. Now, if you say, but however, lurking under the carpet is a monster game, knock yourself out, play the strategic scenario. And I am going to, you know, based on all my experience with Empire of the Sun, the strategic scenario is going to be much, much better than it was back in 1985. And plus, they may, I may have read an extra 100 books since 1985 on the topic, so I'm a little bit more knowledgeable than I was in 1985. Yeah, 1985. Oh my God, how old was I? I was like, I was 30 years old. You know, <laughs> that's a long time ago. <laughs> I'm 65 now, so I was 30. You know, so and I had a two-year-old. You know, Arrow was sitting on my my lap as I was designing the game, and she was a good girl not to touch the the pieces, and uh, and she just watched. She got project oversight for that. You know, now she's a mother with a with a kid in California. So you know, world goes on. But but uh, right now, what I've been doing over the last few days is working on the, the other scenario that's really good is the Malaya scenario is like one of the introductory campaign scenarios that have very few pieces and it you know it's really a lot of these scenarios when the Japanese are attacking you know the Solomon campaigns are very generally balanced because of the time of the war it was the early war scenarios are much more solitaire friendly and I don't mean solitaire friendly like you're going to have a bot that is there is no I want to be clear some guys are already asking us that there will definitely not be a bot for Pacific War not going to happen it, anybody out there who wants to do it God bless you. I will support you 100%. But it ain't gonna happen. It's just not gonna happen. It's just way beyond. It's it, it, I don't. It's beyond what you can do on paper. It, the, the the decision tree would be the size of a wall, and I, nobody nobody has that kind of room or time. So it's a you can play in solitaire uh, if you play both sides kind of thing. But if you but what's good is a lot of the opening war scenarios, you're really playing the Japanese. The allies the allied responses are not so exciting that you can't. You know, it's it's in essence a solitaire situation because no matter even if you play perfectly for the Allies, you're still going to get hurt a lot. You know that kind of thing. But um, so I'm working on Malaya, and I'm reorganizing the rules. And what we're gonna, what I've and I've already talked to Gene about all this. It's going to have four rule booklets. So in the original game, it was like a program learning thing. Like you got the engagement scenario, which are these like solitaire, play it for 15 minutes, kind of just to learn mechanics, kind of things. They'll still then they were the battle scenarios. We used to run WBC tournaments with the battle scenarios, you know, Carl C. And, and such. Then the campaign scenarios, which is really the heart of the game, is really tied up around the early Japanese attacks and the Solomon's campaigns. You know, that's where the game is really focused. Although you can play, we have campaigns for like Leyte Gulf and all that stuff. And then and, and there's the war in China and the, you know, China, Burma, India are, are campaign scenarios, you know, all that kind of stuff. But and then there's the strategic scenario, but we're going to have more strategic scenarios where you can set up sort of further into the war and only play a little piece of the war when it's interesting. You, know, you don't have to play the, you know, the, the final days in the A-bomb and all that stuff. And, and that'll be in the game, so that'll give you a lot more play value. And right now, I'm reading, there's a, little, a good book just came out that's given me a little bit more insight into the China uh, campaign, so I think they'll be a much more enhanced and more... Um, uh, I'll, I'll probably add a pre-1941 uh, Chinese scenario, which I'm working on. 
So you know, there's going to be some new new stuff. So it's not if you had the original, don't get rid of it. Uh, you don't need uh, you don't need to buy the update. And I'm going to be very clear to people. You know, if it, it may not get 500 orders, I don't I don't know. Uh, it's going to be I'm going to make it clear to people. This is a time machine. It is very playable in the smallest scenarios, uh, which is how I play it. Uh, it's going to be uh, you know there's been a couple there were like two or three known little problems. You know ways to you know again. Uh, what do you call it? You know, overwhelm. You know, you could you could do little tricks in the system that were, you know, again, people came up with their own house rules. But you know, I but I've got those are now be part of the system, so that won't be the, the little gamey stuff that people didn't like won't be there anymore. But you know, it's a long time ago, so that that'll be done. And um, of course, we've um, Olivier Revenue, uh, who did, you know, this game has had a very. I only the only reason I'm even doing this is I got annoyed actually. You know, at first. Um, Multiman Publishing wanted uh, me to do it, and the only reason I agreed to do it with them is they said that they would let Kurt Schilling would sign my contract, which I have a signed contract by Kurt Schilling. So for that, is why I was going to do Pacific War. Then they decided that they really weren't that interested, in, in you know, they just wasn't. They didn't feel that there was really the demand anymore, and they were doing well with all their capital stuff. So they said, you know, you can have, you know, we we and you know, amicably ended the relationship. Then Nuts wanted to do it, and. That dragged on forever, and then I find, and I kept, kept trying to get a hold of those guys, and they're nice guys, but finally one day they go, oh, we will, I know we haven't talked to you in like three years, but I, we thought you figured out that the contract was null and void. I said, well, you never said anything. You could have sent one email at any time. So at that point, I got annoyed, not at them, but just at the whole situation. So Gene said, hey, we'd love to give it a shot. So you know, we're going to put it up for the, and, and if GMT is doing it, I absolutely, you know, that's why I stick with GMT as my publisher. Um, it's just the relationship is you know a plus 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 i love those guys i'm like family to them they're like family to me and you know it's just it, it, it there's no mussing around we get the games done they go out the door they get printed you know everybody gets paid it's just it's just the way to go in my life at this point it's too complicated as it is <laughs> yes well it's funny that you think it well, may not get 500 orders because it'll get 500 orders before gene can put out another update i you know i would like to believe that but i I'm, 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 I'm going to be honest. I'll put some, I'm going to make it clear to people what they're buying. You know, they're buying a piece of t like a time capsule. Um, I'm, I'm, are you going to make it more streamlined? You know, when I love when I want to make sure that nobody buys the game who thinks that they're buying some. You know, I don't want them to think they're buying Empire. Well, <laughs> not even like that. But Empire of the Sun is you know one of the top GMT sellers because it is based on the Pacific War experience. I was able to do Empire of the Sun, and and that's the game. You know. My, my game of choice most of the time uh, but the Pacific War was kind of where all this stuff you know started in my mind and, and I ripped out a couple of things and put them in part so, so Pacific War is and nobody's ever really used any of the systems from Pacific War since you know you could say that's a good or a bad thing I don't know what but uh, it's a really cool game and I do like playing it still but it's it's definitely you know old old style hex encounter and if you're into cards or you know, light playing, fast playing. It's fast. Well, fast playing is relative, but it, you know, the scenarios take three. I always say to people, three hours is three hours. I don't care if it's fast playing or not fast playing. Three hours is three hours. But so it must be fast playing. They all play at the same pace if they play in three hours. But regardless of how you think it is, but you know, this is a game where, you know, it's really it's got a real tactical dimension to it, which you don't have in Empire of the Sun, which I I purposely left out of the Empire of the Sun. So that you could see the bigger picture, but this one's a, it's a campaign game. It's an operational level game that just scales up to a, a strategic scenario. But it's really an operational level game, always has been, 
and you know it has day night cycles and you know you're firing torpedoes and it's you know night battles and uh, I mean it's got it's got merchant shipping and submarines shooting down things and B-29s and long-range bombers it's got everything going on in it and it was it was uh, it was like the at that time uh, it was the ultimate you know the ultimate kind of Pacific simulation and I'm not sure that uh, some people don't think it, it hasn't held up well over you know 35 years which is a, I think it's good I still play it uh, the campaign scenarios so there it is so we'll see if 500 guys are willing to uh, take the ride and this is probably gonna be a one and done I, I don't even if it sells out I doubt it'll ever get reprinted so this is sort of like if this gets printed you know and you don't buy a copy but you'll have to get it in the aftermarket but I don't think this is gonna be a this is like a one and done kind of game I'm pretty sure it's for the hardcore I don't want any none of the none of the oh I like Euro games please stay away just don't don't I don't want to see the email I don't want to see the I rated it a one because it's a really hard game I you know please why did you buy it in the first place why did you buy it? I see people on Empire of the Sun, which is probably one of the most advanced skill level games out there these days for war gamers. And the guy goes, oh, and I, I just saw this the other day. I have to I have to emote here on this one. So literally, if you go into the um, the ratings thing and the scoring, 10, 10, 10, 10, 9, 9, 8, 8, 8, right? And the 10, and so there's a 2 in there. And this guy goes, the rules are a mess. They're unclear. They, you know, it just goes on and on, right? Literally, the next guy rates it. The rules are so clear and so, and he gives it a ten. And I'm just going. Here's the absolute. You know, here's two guys who came in with very different expectations. And so, if you're going into Empire of the Sun or Pacific War with any expectation that you're going to be playing, you know, Meeple Land, please don't come. I don't need the money. I actually would prefer you don't buy the game, so I don't have to. Ha I don't have to see, hear you get upset. I don't want to upset anybody. I really do not want to upset anybody. I want to be honest with them. Said, look, please do not buy the game. Don't buy it. It's not for you. And it doesn't mean anything bad about you. It's just not what you're looking for. And, and what you're looking for is what you should be looking for. But please don't buy my games. <laughs> just don't do it. <laughs> That's great. Because well, I don't need to see you whining on, online and insulting me and doing all these things. Because I didn't do anything to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting to hear that you don't want to hurt anybody because I know that's true. But, but on the other hand, I think many times people write these reviews with the intention of hurting your feelings. <laughs> oh, my, my feelings don't get hurt. I just, I just want. Oh, first of all, you know, Empire of the Sun has had. You, you look at the reviews. Empire of the Sun went. You know, does again. I don't think much of the BGG system, but it's the best one out there on the ratings thing. When Empire of the Sun came out in nineteen, no, two thousand five, it was rated down in the low sevens, I think, somewhere like you know seven point one or something. And in the third, in the fifteen years that it's been out, it's now an eight point one. So. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Not that the rating is important. It's the fact that people liked it like it better now than they liked it before. Let's just look at that as being the, the real metric here, right? Yeah, and I, I think it's bucking the trend. I, I don't know that there are any other games that have been around for that long that have moved up in value. Certainly not that much. So it's a, it just speaks to the quality of that game. But I do think some of the people that comment do it with the intention of, of getting attention. Hey, look, the Internet is, you know, the internet is, uh, did you ever see, um, it's like everybody gets a soapbox. You know, you've been around New York City, right? You, you know, there was, this, there was this guy in front of a church. I was walking down the street and he's walking, you know, he, he looks kind of shabby and he's walking with a sign, but the sign cracked me up. The sign said, if God asked you a question, fool him with a few good lines. And I'm like, what does that mean? But he's, you know, he's up there preaching it, whatever the heck it is. <laughs> 
So I think of the internet like that. There's just people walking around with signs going, like, saying weird stuff, and you go, oh, it's interesting. I'm glad you think that, but I don't know what you're doing. Uh, you know, I, I watch Liberty or Death reviews and comments. Uh, oh, yeah. Unfortunately, but, you know, the uh, there's a guy on there that, that rates the game a three, and, of course, it's unplayable. Oh, oh he liked it compared to my guys. <laughs> That's right. No, it could be worse. But the funny thing is, Mark, that he updates his review frequently. Oh, yeah. So it pops to the top over and over and over, clearly with the, you know, with the intention of gaining attention. Um, there's a guy, there's, I had that, there's a guy, and again, I, I don't like to mention names, you know, I, I'm not trying to create hate, but there's a guy who definitely didn't like Churchill. Uh, in fact, he hates all my games, but, and that's fine, too, by the way, because every time I, he hates a game, I get, he didn't hate, he didn't actually write anything bad about Pericles, he only got nominated, he didn't win the game of the year. Every other game he's hated, I got game of the year somewhere, so I, I wish he would come back. But anyway, um, but he wrote on Churchill the same thing, like, in other words, he hated it. And every so often he comes back to write some more hate. And by the way, he is, I, I actually did a, um, you know, I copied and pasted it just to see the word count. He has written more words by himself than every, you know, it's got like, a, I don't know, it's got like 1,500 ratings or something like that. He's written more words than everybody else put together. So that's a lot of work, you know, to, to hate something. So I'm going, okay, I mean, that's what, you know, that's what you have. You, you must not have much else going on in your life, I guess. Right. <laughs> but No doubt. No, it's yeah. interesting, right? I mean, I, what did, what did my mom said? Don't say uh, if you can't say something nice, right? Oh yeah, no that 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 world is gone. No, I was um, what was I reading? Um, you know, there was a period in 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 you know English um, law is based on common law, they call it right, and it's based on tradition and a certain behavior, and. Maybe it's because we have too many, you know, uh, constitutional lawyers or people looking to, to play, you know, like they're good gamers. They're gamers taking the rules and they're trying to, you know, get an edge. It just seems that the laws are not adequate to stop, um, you know, certain behaviors that used to be true in the past. So when I studied the history, what I hate about uh, commentary on history from people who are not historians sometimes is they go, they judge somebody in the past based on the norms of today. And you go like... Well, okay, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I suspect that you and I will, if anybody wanted to judge us, you know, 100 years from now, we'll be judged badly because we won't meet up to the standards of 100 years from now, whatever those might be. And taking somebody from ancient Rome and saying, well, they weren't a nice person. You know, in, in ancient Rome, they might have been considered a great person, but not for the reasons why you would judge them. You know what I'm saying? You know. Being, being nice to people was not necessarily the nor the thing that people valued in that period of time. But now, of course, we go, oh, what a unempathetic, vicious person. They go, well, you know, they were people of their time. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? But, you got, but when you do a war game design, you try to capture that person, not the one you want them to be. That's the I think that's the main point. Right. And um, I think I think we all you know we we write these games from perspectives as well. I don't. Oh, everything is yeah. Everything has. Be based on a perspective. So someone can look. Someone else can look at the same set of facts, and and certainly, you know, choose different mechanics and not be wrong, right? I mean, I, no, yeah. There, there is no right way. I mean, look how many bulge games there are. Look how many. I did a Wordaloo game. Look how many Wordaloo games there are. There's like seventy of them. I counted. You know, I didn't count them in BGG. If you just type in Wordaloo, you could just see how many show up. So, <laughs> so I essentially I counted them. Um, there was uh, over seventy Gettysburg games. Uh, you know, one reviewer, a guy who I actually like from Canada, 
writes, you know, oh boy, another war, another Gettysburg game, like we needed one, you know, like that kind of, and so you could tell the review wasn't going to go well from there, but, but the point was, is that, um, actually that, that series I've been doing with Roger has gotten a lot of good notice. People are, I think gamers, it goes back to the specific war question versus what I just did with Waterloo and Gettysburg, right? There, where I am now in my design, you know, in my mind and in how I design is I'm looking for boiling, I'm going back to my roots of SPI. We're tr I'm trying to boil it all back down to two or three things that really, you know, I'm giving you a couple of levers, but the game plays a lot faster, right? And, and the decisions are real, and it's a good game, and it's even good history, but it's not meant to be 100 hours, right? Nobody's got 100. I don't have 100 hours. Pacific War is like this throwback, you know, like I opened out of a trunk, and whoa, what the hell is this, you know? It's like, you know, where the wild things, you know, live, you know, <laughs> comes out, and you go, wow, I hadn't seen you in a long time, and so... I'm going through it and I like it, but you know it's it was so um, interconnected and detailed that you just can't just oh let me just fix this because you touch that you three other four things going to go whoop you know <laughs> it's, it's and that's the part that people don't realize once you just add another rule well it doesn't work that simply my friend it doesn't work that simply yeah no doubt well Mark I, I uh, appreciate you taking the time I know you've got a With game pleasure. of packs coming up. Um, yeah, uh, what time is it? Yeah, in a half. So, uh, and, and I would ask, well, by the time people see this, it'll probably be over. But, you know, come over if you're into, uh, I think what I'm going to try, you know, just to close up, what I'm going to try to do, I, you saw that I f figured out how to hook this camera up to this computer, which is, you know, for me, for a 65-year-old, that would stun Congrats, it. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did it like on the, on the first try. So that's that just as more speaks to good software than it is to my skills. But uh, I've now got a permanent microphone, camera, monitor set up here that I don't have to move for you know for a while since I'm not going anywhere. And um, I'm gonna everybody. I, everybody's always saying, uh, "I wish I could learn how to play Empire of the Sun." So I'm gonna see if I I, I want to see if I can do this live streaming where I can get people to come on and I'm just gonna walk them through the game and te teach it. And of course I'll record it, put it on my YouTube channel. But I, I got to figure out the streaming thing. Uh, I don't think it, you. I don't think you can stream directly to YouTube. You know, I can I can capture it, but to stream it, I think you have to have other software or other knowledge that I don't yet have. So that'll be something to do while I redesign, not redesign, but you know, buff up and uh, and work on. And of course, Rebel Fury. I, should, I don't want to forget anybody get worried. Rebel Fury is the other game. So right now, the two games I'm going to be doing through the uh, my shelter in place phase of my life. I hope I, I uh, my plan is you know if I can survive this. I'll get these two games out. If not, precise the last one I did. So that's how it's going to work out. <laughs> you're you're going to survive, Mark, and and it it's always so. uh, always great to talk to you. I enjoy your energy, and and certainly uh, as the as the designer, I I enjoy hanging out with you and hearing uh, hearing what you have to say. Very so, kind. Very so kind. so let me uh, let me just wish. Uh, Good health and good times to you and your family. And, and Same to you, uh, my friend. We'll talk again soon. You got it. Be well.